Come on, let's put our hands together for that story. So powerful. Hey, if you get a chance and you see Lisa at the front door, give her a hug. She is the best of the best. Lisa, we love you. And we're so proud of what God is doing in your life. Let's give her a hand and all that God is doing. Thank you, sweetie. We love you. Very well, very well. So we're going to continue today in our series, Your Jesus. We are in week three of this series. Thank you all for being here. How about you celebrate yourselves for being at church today? Come on, put your hands together. It is a beautiful thing to come into the house of the Lord. And um, we thank God for it. Join me in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, it is okay. We built this church for the unchurched, and um, it's all good. We'll have the verses on the screen. Um, if you do have a Bible, go ahead and turn. You're old school, and that's all good. I'm an old soul, too. I bring my Bible to church. Um, if you got your phone, you got your phone. So Let's go to Mark 8, verse 22. And... Um, Today's going to be good. Y'all ready? All right, good, good. Let's do it. Let's do it. Verse 22. Here it is. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. It's going to be important here in about 10 minutes. Then (laughs) maybe not as important as this. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on this man's eyes again, and his eyes were open. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Sorry, y'all, I'm getting over a little... Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. All right. Cool beans. You know, my uncle David, he was one of the greatest men in my eyes that ever lived. You say that about all people that you love, right? He's one of the greatest ever. I don't know him, but you know him. You know what I mean? Like, you'll say that about your auntie. She was one of the greatest. That's that's great. That's great. Um, He was one of the greatest men to ever live and Um, He was just always dependable, always there for whatever you needed. He drove me to school from kindergarten through fifth grade almost every day. I would say 90% of the time. And um, I I noticed in my fourth grade that as he was pulling up (laughs) to to stoplights, especially behind the car, he would stop about a car length back. I said, okay, Unc, what's going on? So throughout fourth grade, it slowly went from one car length to two. And by the time we got midway through fifth grade, he was about three or four car lengths back. And so um, as we were heading into spring break, I pulled my mother and my grandma aside and I said, "Um, Unc is stopping about four to five car lengths back um, on a a stoplight. Are you sure you want him to continue to take me to school? He seems to be having some, some eye problems. And so they laughed about it, and they said, son, because um, he was my grandmother's brother, and grandma said, son, actually, he, um, 
your uncle, when he was younger, he loved cars, and he loved to race cars, and he loved to work on cars. Um, but around 26, I said, or so, 26 or 27, I think she said, she said one day he was working on a battery, and uh, the acid exploded out of the battery into his eyes. So he went to the doctor, and the doctor told him that as he gets older, he was going to lose his sight. And um, so I said, are you sure you still want him to drive me to school? <laughs> Being 10, you really don't care about what happened. You just care about your life and your safety. And so, um, <laughs> so uh, you know, and it happened. I was able to spend um, his last few hours with him while he was on his deathbed. He died in his home. And I was able to bring him to Jesus. I had just given my life to Christ. I was 19 years old, but I had that boldness. You know, when you're new to your faith, you just you share it with everyone. Yeah. You just say, hey, Unc, do you, you're about to die, but are you going to heaven? Do you know Jesus? You know, and so, and, but he was, he, his eyes were open, but he was completely blind on his deathbed. And so I led him to Christ, but he cried. He cried, and it was a beautiful thing. Uncle David. So, but now I know he's in heaven, and he's seeing all the beauty. And I can't wait to see him again. You know, they say blindness is the state or condition of not being able to see, if you're taking notes. Or it is the inability to perceive what's in front of you. Um, we don't know why this man in the text is blind. We have no idea. We don't know if he was born this way. We don't know if he was injured like Uncle Dave. We don't know if it was a disease that caused him to be blind over time. But what we do know is he is blind. And what I can ascertain from the text is that many of us are spiritually blind. Many of us have spiritual blind spots due to past injury. Many of us can't see or envision future success in certain areas of our lives because as we were growing up, all we saw around us was failure. Or we saw mom or dad or aunt or uncle or cousin try to do this thing five 10, 15, 20 times, and they just kept coming up short. So in that specific area, we don't see any possibility of future success because of what we were surrounded by. Or maybe we've tried a bunch of times, and we've come up short. So we can't see the possibility of, of coming through or of being more or of God doing a miracle. For a lot of people, it's healthy relationships. We've tried time and time and time again only to be brokenhearted only for people to leave us, only for people to backbite and to, and, and to squander us and to leave our lives. So now we're blind to the prospect and the possibility of healthy relationships. Yeah. We're blind to the possibility if we'll ever be married again or if we'll ever be married ever or if we'll ever be with someone in some kind of happy relationship that invo involves some form of joy. Because of our past experience, we've become blind. For many people, and it's been scientifically proven um, when it comes to Christian faith and when you can mix and match science and, and, and genetics and, and how you view parenting, many people can't see the goodness of the Heavenly Father or experience his goodness because of how they have interacted all of their lives with their earthly father. And oftentimes, God bears the brunt of having to prove to you his goodness and his love for you. Um, while behind the guise of how your earthly father treated you. So God has to do a lot of work, and he does it through a lot of different people, a lot of different circumstances, a lot of different miracles, a lot of different breakthroughs to show you that I'm not your earthly father. I'm your heavenly father, and I love you, and I'm for you, and I have a vision for your life.
Helen Keller was born to Arthur and Kate Keller in 1880. And by the age of 19 months, she goes deaf. So she loses her hearing, EJ. And then she loses her sight. And so they could boil it down to two things. They think it was either scarlet fever or rubella. And um, so a woman, when Helen was seven years old, took her under her wings. She taught Helen how to read, how to write, how to speak, how to interact with society. Um, By the time Helen is into her 60s and 70s, she is a world-renowned hero. She travels the world. She makes motivational speeches. She stands up for all things righteous, and people around the world love her. The great author Mark Twain said that Helen Keller was easily top two most powerful individuals that lived during the 19th century. And this is what Helen Keller said, a woman who could not see or hear. She said this. We'll pull her phrase up. She says, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight with no vision. That's powerful to me. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight, (laughs) Jesus Christ, with no vision. If you're writing notes, go ahead and write this down. Jesus had vision. He woke up every single morning on 10. (laughs) He, he, He knew what he was about to do. He knew where he was going. He had a focus. He didn't care who was with him, who was not with him. He had a call on his life. He had the hand of God on his life. He had the power of God on his life. And part of Jesus' vision, watch this, was for you and I to have God vision for our life. That was a part of his vision. You can read it in his inaugural statement in Luke chapter 4, 18 through 19. We don't have it here, but you ought to write it down. Part of that inaugural statement when he was starting his ministry was that I have come to uh, give sight unto the blind. So part of his vision was for you to have vision for your life, not to wake up every day disgruntled, not to wake up every day discouraged, not to wake up every day confused, but to actually have a vision that you could move towards. Jesus was a man of vision, and he had vision for his life. What is vision in the context of this story? We're going to define it as this. Go ahead and write this down. We'll pull it up. Vision, here it is, is God's clear direction. For every area of your life. It, it, it can get like that as you grow in your faith. It can, your, your relationships, your spirit, your finances, your future, it can get clear. It won't make it easy, but it can get clear. And so what I want to do is I want to pull about four thoughts from this text. Then I want to give you three takeaways that you can move out on. Let's pull out these four thoughts. Number one is this. Go ahead and write this down. You can't receive vision around nearsighted people. No, I thought it responded better than that. There it is. So we're not going to go back into reading the text. We're going to take a walk through the story. So a few people brought this man to Jesus. I don't know if you remember the text, but the first thing that Jesus did was he took the man by the hand and he did what? Led him out of the village. (laughs) Bethsaida. Bethsaida. Why did he lead him out of the village? If you're taking notes, the word Bethsaida in the Hebrew means house of fish. Bethsaida was a small village. It was a a, a seaport. 
It's where fish was sold. But if you ever read through the Gospels, Jesus often condemned Bethsaida for, for having a lack of vision. He said, woe unto Chorazin and Bethsaida, for ha- I'm sorry, for having a lack of faith. So what is he saying? He's saying that I can't do any miracles here because there is a lack of faith here. There's religion here. There are people who go to church and check off the box. There are people who give because they have to and because the law says that you should. If not, you're in sin. But there's no faith here. There's no spirit here. I can't move here. So maybe there's about two or three people that said, oh, that's Jesus. He, he, he's done something before. Let's take him to him. And so Jesus said, I can't do it here. I got to take you out of the village. So Jesus can't give you vision around nearsighted people. What, what are you saying? Jesus can't give you vision uh, around people who just see today. The worries of today. The anxieties of today. The same things that they gossiped about two weeks ago is still the gossip this week. At least if you're going to gossip, update your gossip. You feel me? Like, we're all sinners. We all get a little gossiping. But update it, Chris. Can we talk about something new? You're starting to sound stupid. (laughs) Like, Bring me something fresh, right? The gossip of today. The, the oh, you know, the, the manager that did this, and my boss did this, and my, fr- and my friend. Is that your friend? You're talking about them. They did this. And so whenever you become nearsighted, you only see today. And it is inevitable that when you are nearsighted, you have no other choice but to become negative and bitter. And when you become negative and bitter and pessimistic and you have a skeptical spirit, it's okay to have questions, but you're skeptical about everything. I don't know if I can trust. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You, you become nearsighted. And God can't give you vision around nearsighted people. I remember one of a job that I had when I had just said yes to God. I had stopped the med school thing and I said, okay, God, we're going to going to go into ministry and we're going to start this church one day and at this particular job it was an outpatient office man oh man it was so toxic such a toxic environment you know the assistant manager would, would lead us lead the team the manager would come in and you know have a little chat they laugh yeah i had a great weekend i went on vacation how was your week the manager would leave as soon as the manager left here comes the assistant manager can you believe what we got to do this week? Can you believe she talked about the color scrubs that I wore? I gotta ch- I've been wearing these scrubs for five years. Now dress coat's changing. And then, you know, my associate, who the other secretary, I was the secretary. She would, this secretary would talk about this secretary. And I'm sure when I left the room, they'd talk about me. And it's like. And then you go into the lunch room, you're fixing your sandwich, you're popping it in the microwave, and here come one of them. Why am I doing that? Is it mostly women? No, men gossip too. I don't know. Whatever I'm doing. Hey, Josh, you heard about Nancy? No, I'm going somewhere. I frankly don't care about Nancy. Like, uh, you know, no, have you, have you prayed for Nancy? Have you, have you encouraged Nancy today? I really don't care to hear about Nancy. As long as Nancy's doing well, 
I'm good. You're not going to degradate my, my character. You're not going to bring me down here. You're not going to have me be nearsighted and talk about people. God has a vision. I'm going somewhere bigger. I'm not staying here. I'll see you out there. So what I would do every lunch, um, every lunch hour is I would go outside because it was just so toxic. I just had this fresh thing I was pursuing, and I'm like, oh. go outside, read my Bible, eat my food, and if I had time, I'd take a nap. It was literally outside in my car where I was reading Matthew 5, 14 through 16, and God gave me the name of Highlight Church and the vision statement. And what's happening now, I saw seven years ago. But I had to get from around nearsighted people. He took him out of the village. One thing that God will begin to do, and you don't know it's God. You just think you're feeling funny. You think like, oh, yeah, that's my friend and I love him. And, but I don't know if I should be around him. It's God. It's not you feeling funny. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Lord. One thing that God will begin to do is mess with your relationships. It's a precursor to him dipping vision into your heart. And he'll begin to say, because he's a gentleman, he'll say, I don't think you should. That's, you know that ain't right. But he's a gentleman. He's not going to force you. So Jesus took this man by the hand and led him out of the village. And I don't care. Sometimes all you need is one good friend in a season to speak some sense into you, to take you back to Jesus. Because if not, all you'll do, you'll ruminate with the nearsighted people. Or if you're a person who tends to be alone, all you have is you. And we know that you cannot live here and be healthy. You can't. You have to get from around nearsighted people so God can show you something. The second thought that we can take out here is is this. Let Jesus have his way. Then vision will come. (laughs) Now, this is crazy. The Bible says that Jesus spat on his eyes. I don't know about you, but I don't care who you are. You can be my newborn baby. You can be my mama, my grandma. You can be Uncle Dave. You can be baby Jesus. And so I was doing research on this, and I'm like, okay, all right, well, I'm praying, and I'm like, God, I don't, you're not revealing anything here. Like, because when you read your Bible, you should pray, God, speak to me. Don't go to a commentary first. God, speak to me. God did not speak to me on this. Whenever God does not speak to you, he's telling you it's not that deep. It's common sense. So I did. I went to a few commentaries, and I saw things that I understood. Well, Jesus was teaching them gradual faith, that that sometimes a a miracle happens instantaneous. Sometimes it's incremental. So things that you're believing for may happen in nine hours. It may happen in nine months. It may happen in nine years. It's gradual growth. It's called sanctification. As you grow in the Lord, you become more like the Lord. Jesus had to wait 30 years to start his ministry. That's, as you wait, as you become patient, which is a fruit of the Spirit, something that has to be cultivated and grown, you're becoming more like Jesus as you wait. Patience is good for us. So I say, okay, that's, that's easy. I, I get that. This other theologian said this. He said, um, maybe the man's eyes were crusted, his eyelids, so he couldn't open them. 
So Jesus sped on him because the enzymes in Jesus' saliva was going to crack the, the crust and he was going to be able to open his eyes. And then Jesus laid his hands and he held his sight. I'm thinking, well, it's Jesus. You don't need to spit. And that's stupid. <laughs> so please pray when you read your Bible. Theologians are men just like you. God can reveal something to you. This is the only thing I could deduce from this text. I said, okay, I'm going to take the common sense route. What does spitting, I Google, what does spitting in someone's face means <laughs> globally? And then I said throughout history. <laughs> and it means one thing. Defilement, disrespect, hatred. And I'm like, hold on, now, now, now you're bothering me. Jesus wanted to defile this man, which is purely sin. You know, if you were defiled, you're no greater than a dead body in the eyes of God. Jesus was angry at him. He hated him. No, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. No, Jesus loves this man. What I could not find in the text of this story was that when Jesus spat on him, because come on, I don't care if you're blind or deaf. Someone spits on you. you go, Did this brother just take me out of the village, get me in a corner and spit on me? You know a spit because it's, it's like it got a thing to it. You know what I mean? You, we ought to do a spit lesson right now. Y'all should have you high five your neighbor. But just, did he just spit on me? What you can deduce from the text is this. Is that he gave Jesus no pushback. Here we come. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. He simply allowed Jesus to have his way with him. And I would propose this. There's a great chance that you're blind in certain areas of your life. There's a great chance that you're blind because you won't allow Jesus to have his way. You're okay with him being savior. Save my soul. Take me to heaven. Whatever, whatever. But please do not have your way in this area of my life. And what Jesus is saying is, is that if I can't have my way in this area of your life, you will remain in darkness. He's not just Savior. He's Lord. And if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So you got to allow him to be Lord of everything so that clarity, God's clear direction for every area of your life can come. I love Proverbs. Proverbs says this. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Watch this. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And it says this, and he will show you which path to take. Here it is, equation. This is the way you should study the Bible. You have to look for equations. It's simple. Trust the Lord, show you the path. In the areas where we don't trust, we remain blind. Let Jesus have his way in your life. The third thought is this, is that vision brings clarity to your life. Vision brings clarity to your life. It says that when, when, when he laid his hands on him the first time, that he, he saw, but it was blurry, and the people looked like walking trees. 
So he could see, but he couldn't fully see. Jesus laid his hands on him again, and he cleared it up. He fully restored his sight. I don't know about you, but um, I can't go into a new year foggy. So one thing that we do um, every 21-day fast, I cannot wait on 2020 every one-day fast. Y'all pray for me. I'm, I'm praying what it's going to be named. It's something between um, a breakthrough and more. We're going to have a new booklet come out. We're going to go back on our 5.30 a.m. prayer calls. It's going to be powerful, powerful, powerful. So pray, is, are we going to name it more or breakthrough? Because 2020 for Highlight is the year of more. We'll see. I'm thinking about break. I don't know. But anyway, so the first week of every 21-day uh, uh, fast, we go to a coffee shop, and um, we pray. And we ask God just, what are, you, what are you saying to us? And you can do this alone. You don't have to be. What are you saying? What are you showing us? What direction? And we do it in four categories of our life. Our marriage, our family, the church, and our finances. Yeah. And we write all these things down. Debt-free here. Want to increase our giving here. Date day with the boys. Friday, we protect Fridays. Got to go to the movies at least 12 times this year with the boys. We got to... We protect those things, and then we put dates next to them. So we'll put December 2020, and that gives us clear vision so that when we're in September 2020, we don't get discouraged because it's not December 2020, right? Because tough times are going to come, but it gives you clarity. This is the direction we're heading in. This is the goal. This is what we're doing. This is how many people we want to see baptized. This is how many salvations. This is how much money we're going to give as a church. This is how many hours that we're going to serve. This is when we're going to go back to school and pursue our masters. This is when we're going to do this. This is when we're going to end up in the White House. This is when we're going to do this. It gives you clarity. Vision gives you clarity. It it, it takes you from confusion to clarity. Confusion to clarity, confusion to clarity, confusion to clarity. PK and I clarify our direction every January, and vision brings clarity to your life. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. When you don't have vision, you're I think as a high school student, you ought to write at the top of the year, straight A's. Hey, bro, come out. Let's go. Let's go do this. Let's go hang out. Let's go play ball. That don't align with the vision. Straight A's. Straight A's. Hey, girl, let's let's do this. Straight A's. That don't align. And even if you don't get an A, you'll get a B. But you should have a vision. You should have a vision for the kind of friends that you have in your life. Do they empower, do they neutralize, or do they tear down? I'm going to tell you which ones are the most dangerous, neutralizers. Because at least if you tear me down, I know where you are. If you're too good for me, I know where you are. But if you neutralize me, I'm ineffective. So you ought to have a vision for, you ought to have an avatar for the kind of friends that you're going to have in your life. (laughs) Build them out. I want them five foot six, five foot five, five foot four. I want them to be positive. I want them to be straight A's. You ain't five six. You ain't five seven. You don't have an avatar for the people that you're surrounding yourself around. Vision gives you clear direction, clear direction. I love the vision of this church. 20 locations across Maryland in 20 years. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And maybe we've met, my man, I, I, you, look, you look new to me, but thank you. That, that, that's faith that just sparked in your heart, yeah. right? You can see God doing the impossible in this area. We did a prayer walk yesterday where we um, met at seven different locations throughout Gaithersburg, and we walked in circles in those locations, uh, Crown, Rio, Gaithersburg High School, where God uh, confirmed that this is where we were called. Rhoda came back at the end of prayer walk, and she said that I just envisioned people backed up on 270 coming into Highlight Church and leaving Highlight Church one day. So we don't get stuck here. Vision. That's clarity. And we go with who's here. We don't care about who's not here. We're going to keep on going in that direction, that direction, that direction, that direction, that direction, that direction, that direction. Clarity. And obviously, Jesus cared because he said, can you see? He says, no, I really can't see. God was persistent about this man receiving vision for his life. God will pursue you until the very day you die to give you vision for your life. He's pursuing you right now because he's trying to show you something that you're not capable of, that only he's capable of. But you have to trust him with everything and you have to let him have his way. And when you do, come on, you can clap that up. The fourth thought is this, is that vision enables you to escape smallness. Vision enables you to escape smallness. If you remember, verse 26 was this. Don't go back. On your way home, don't go back into the village. Isn't that what we read? On your way home, don't go back into the village. And I had to stop and I had to think, time out. This guy isn't even from Bethsaida. But the fact that he was blind caused him to stop in Bethsaida. Oh, Jesus, come on now. He wasn't even from a small place. But the fact that he could not see, he got stuck in a small place. So maybe he was trying to find, I don't know. I don't know where he was going or who dropped him off there. But what I do know is that Bethsaida, a place that lacked faith, said, yeah, you can come on over here. We'll take good old care of you. This is where the nearsighted blind people stay. We'll feed you. We'll make sure you survive. We'll, 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 We'll feed that negativity. We'll feed that doubt. We'll feed that gossip. We'll feed that complaining spirit. We'll feed that lack of faith. We'll feed that lack of vision. You just stay on right on here. We'll, we'll take care of you. And this is what I see in our lives. I see that we have villages of smallness in our lives. Small relationships, small mindsets, negativity, a lack of vision. And there's these spirits that just draw us in when we're blind and just say, yeah, no, you just stay right on here. We'll take good care of you. So Jesus told him, he says, do not go back into the village on your way home. Why? Because had he allowed him to go into the village on his way home, Jesus would have healed his sight, but he would not have healed his vision.
So one of the first things the Lord will do when you come to him is he will detach you from old relationships. And people start asking you, why you don't hang out anymore? Because you ain't going nowhere. You're nearsighted. Well, I, I believe in Jesus. I go to church. I can't tell. I'm trying to go somewhere. I'm trying to see. I need revelation. I don't need to know the definition of grace. <laughs> like, I need to know that, but I need to know what that means in my life. How does that feed my faith? I don't need to know definitions. I need to know how does that apply to my life? So the first thing he'll start doing is taking family and friends and you'll be alone. But it's because he is, is taking you to somewhere greater. Don't go back into the village. Oh, Jesus. Jesus was so awesome, bro. Vision enables you to escape smallness. Go ahead and write this down. Jesus wanted this man's future to be the total opposite of his past. He wanted his future to be the total opposite of his past. The village represented his past. The village represented limitation. The village represented bondage. The village represented darkness. The village represented suppression and oppression and depression and stress and anxiety. Oh, Jesus. His future was going to represent freedom and liberty and more and prosperity. He did not want him to go back into that village. And I don't know about you, but I love mom. I love dad. I love Florida, but I'm not going back to the village. I'm going on. There's a new glory. There's a new day. There's a new dawn. There's a greater tomorrow. I'm not going back into the village. I love this story in Genesis 12. I need my phone, babe. In Genesis 12, I'll read the verse here. It says this here, the Lord said to Abram, thank you, sweetie. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, watch this, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Your father's family, your native land, your relatives, and go to the place I will show you. This sounds like the same God who healed the blind man in Mark 8. Uh, I'll give us a history context. If you go and read Genesis 11, Abram's dad's name is Terah. And so Terah loses a son who his name is Haran. And the Bible says in Genesis 11, before Genesis 12, 1, I love God. You got to watch transitions between chapters when you're reading the scripture. The Bible says at the end of Genesis 11 that Terah is heading towards Canaan, the promised land. And this is what I get from it. Because Terah lost his son, Haran, Abraham's brother, because he lost his son, Haran, he got caught in the grief of that season and he never got past it. So the Bible tells you at the end of Genesis 11 that Terah stops in a city named Haran. But he was supposed to stop in Canaan. Some of you, especially those of you who are younger, I'll put it to you this way, forget younger, if you're still alive. 
your parents stopped in places that God called them to go further. But because they did not and they have not gone farther, he's calling you to go further than them. So don't go back to the village. I lost sleep because of this last night, babe, in a good way. I was just thinking, like, why, why has this season been, it's been, like, lifting heavier and heavier weights. And I've been thinking about this, and it all makes sense now. It's because it's a generational thing that God's doing. And pioneers must go through hard stuff. Abraham Lincoln was made for his day. Martin Luther King was made for his day. You're made for your day. If you're doing a new thing in your family, your parents divorce. My parents were never together. You think the devil wants that? (laughs) But we're not going back to the village. I need you to take 10 seconds if you're not going back to the village. And put your hands together if you got a vision and you're not going to the village. You're going somewhere bigger, somewhere greater. You're going into more. You're not going back to the village. Hallelujah. So God said, I got to skip a generation because this joker got stuck here because his son died. So Abram, I need you to go. Verse 2 says this, I will make you into, this is why you have to go. Because God is still forming something. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. Watch this, and you will be a blessing to others. God's heart is not for you to always borrow. This is a totally different message. Wait for December. His heart is for you to be a lender. I will bless those who bless you. I love this one. And curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. This is about Jesus, that part. That's what you call a messianic prophecy. Jesus was going to come through Abraham. That's about Christ. Verse 4, this is my favorite part. So Abraham, Abram, before he changed his name, Abram, departed as the Lord had instructed Oh, Jesus. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Now catch this. We're going to do a series in a certain season that's called From a Lot to a Little. Lot started out bawling, blessed. But because he did not respect and submit to the leadership of his uncle, he did not stay under the hand of the blessing that God had on Abraham. Lot went from a lot to when you read the end of Lot's story, he ends up in a little village. Zoar. From a lot to a little. So if God has called you to second and third tier leadership, if he's called you under someone who is going somewhere, hang on to that person, hang on to that calling, because as they go up, you go up. That's another message. I want to give you three quick takeaways. Here it is. Then we're going to go home. Y'all okay? Cool. Three quick takeaways is this. Number one, check your relationships. They say that you are the average of the two to four people that you surround yourself with. You are the average. If, If these individuals are nearsighted, if it's the same old, same old all the time, It's time for you to reconsider 
to really discern the will of God in your relationships. And let Jesus lead you to faith-building relationships that are going to push you forward towards that vision. You're not too old nor too young to step into your best days. But it's all going to start with your relationships. Number two, let Jesus in. Let him in. I'm not just talking to non-believers right now. I'm, I'm talking to Christians too. You don't have to live with blind spots. Let him in. And he'll clear things up for you. Trust him. Let him in. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of our hearts. He's not going to kick it down. He's just knocking. Can I have this part of your life? When he comes in, it becomes clear. And the last takeaway here, this is a thought. Abundance is your portion, not smallness. There is nothing small about your life. Don't go to the village. Go home. There's nothing small about your life. Abundance is your portion in your future. More, greater. Let's give the word of God a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads, church. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so very much for how great you are. We thank you, Jesus, that you want us to have clear vision. So, God, I even pray today that you would clarify things in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would give hope, give a picture of our destiny and our future, help us to see beyond tomorrow. So maybe today you say, I, I need Jesus in my heart. Maybe you say today, I need to come back to Christ. I know him, but I need to come back home. Jesus Christ, the son of God, lived a sinless life. Died on a cross. His blood was shed for our sins. Put in a tomb and he rose on the third day so that you and I would have life eternal. And today, if you're giving your heart to Jesus, we want to pray with you. If you're coming back to Christ and you're saying, I'm letting Jesus in, I'm tired of being blind. And you're rededicating yourself. We want you to pray with us. Church, let's pray loud in honor of those who are coming to the Lord today. Repeat after me. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that he is the son of God. Forgive me for my sin. Wash me with your blood. Fill my heart with your spirit. I am yours. You can come in. You can have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate loud, loud, loud.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.